This is the IBM Cloud Podcast with Dan Bettinger, covering capabilities, methods, and discoveries to help you cloud better. Welcome to another edition of the IBM Cloud Podcast. This is Dan, and today we've got an episode that's really interesting, especially if you want the speed of public cloud, but are in a regulated industry. Joining me today is Hillary Hunter, VP and CTO of IBM Cloud. Hi, Hillary. How are you doing? I'm great. Happy to be here, Dan. Can you please share what you do at IBM? I'm our Chief Technology Officer for IBM Cloud, and I'm also an IBM Fellow. So between the two of those things, what it really means is that I get to spend my time working on our technical strategy for our cloud business and really advising and engaging with our clients about their overall journeys to cloud. And that involves everything from the modernization of their legacy systems to their use of hybrid cloud and our public cloud. There's lots of talk these days, Hillary, about something called industry clouds and the value they drive. What is an industry cloud and how are they distinct from public clouds? It's such an important term to define because I'm finding there's a lot of variation in definitions out there. So to me, industry cloud means having a specific set of technologies and a specific program in our public cloud that contextualizes cloud for clients in an industry. And what I mean is contextualize isn't, isn't a technical word, but what I mean is that every industry has specific barriers to adoption. And what we try to do at IBM with creating industry cloud programs isn't just to do marketing or something like that that's specific to an industry. Um, Sometimes you do kind of find those definitions out there. But to us, this is not a marketing endeavor. This is about taking specific technologies that bring value and help our clients in those industries overcome the barriers to moving quickly to cloud and create a special program, a special technology, special security and compliance, special capabilities, and bring ecosystem to that environment so that we can help companies in those industries, especially in regulated industries, move to cloud as much as possible and as quickly as possible. The question I have, and I think others have as well, is, is this a separate type of cloud from what we already have? Is this, a, is this a subset, separate infrastructure with respect to like industry clouds versus IBM cloud? Same thing or not? Yeah. So, you know, with industry cloud programs, we do mean use of a specific set of technologies in a specific way in order to fill the specific needs of an industry, be that for telco or financial services. But we stand up those capabilities in the context fully of our public cloud business. And so, That means that someone who is a consumer of IBM Cloud for Financial Services is consuming truly on our public cloud with all of the automation and infrastructure as code and and all the other capabilities that you would expect out of click a button catalog based public cloud services. Yes, it's still public cloud in the sense of a catalog of capabilities supported 24 by 7 with a global SRE team, standard service level agreements and everything. But in Cloud for Financial Services, we bring a rigor in security and compliance that is specific to that industry, still in the context of everything being delivered fully as a service in a public cloud manner. Okay. Thank you for the clarification. What client challenges do our industry clouds address specifically? 
It differs per industry. For us, it's a contextualization of the needs of that industry or contextualization of cloud for the needs of that industry. In telco, for example, the great disruptions happening in that industry are around 5G and IoT and edge-based computing, for example, shifts in where data is, how much data there is, where it's being gathered, where it should be processed, what people are expecting their telco to provide of them, strategic platform modernization initiatives within that industry as well. And so in telco, for example, some of the the needs and and capabilities that we're doing is helping telco providers to transform their enterprises to be fully digital, but also helping establish footprints of high degree of cloud uh, data and AI and analytics capabilities, for example, delivered all the way out at the edge where all that data streaming in from 5G enabling people to have really high-functioning cloud environments even outside of the public cloud in those edge kind of locations and deployments. So speed of adoption really of cloud technology by enabling the cloud to come through our distributed cloud and IBM Cloud Satellite and Red Hat OpenShift capabilities, enable cloud to now go to where the data is given all those shifts in that industry. In financial services, some of the greatest barriers to moving at speed in cloud adoption have been around security and compliance. And so our program in Cloud for Financial Services brings together a high standard that's validated by a set of industry participants around the specific security and compliance needs for that sector. And so they can come to IBM. We have a clear understanding of what their needs are likely to be and the standards that they need to uphold how they need to communicate with their regulators, et cetera. And they can you know, consume cloud and consume cloud services that are uh, specifically designed uh, for their industry and their industry needs. So it kind of differs for each different space. In healthcare, we have a lot of focus um, on things around data privacy and data protection, right? We all care deeply as consumers, as patients, about how our data is stewarded, And so things that we've done with our HyperProtect services in making things like the Apple Healthcare Kit so that developers can quickly create applications and achieve HIPAA-ready status. And so that protection of data, protection of a consumer's personal information is a strong focus in healthcare. Security is a, is a major concern. And I've, I've had some of the team from the HyperProtect uh, portfolio come on and talk about it. But are you able to go a little bit deeper when you mentioned security and what we've done to help these clients who work in regulated industries adopt and move mission-critical workloads to our cloud? Security and compliance very much go hand in hand. When we talk about data security in healthcare or financial services or even in telco or any enterprise that is concerned about stewarding their precious data on behalf of their enterprise and their customers... With the HyperProtect services, what we've created is a set of technologies where people can offer and operate with complete privacy and authority over their data and their code. The HyperProtect services take care of concerns that exist about when data is in use, when something is being computed on, when there's actively work going on in the cloud, how is it going to be protected? And that that enables us to put together an end-to-end security story for our clients in these industries where... They know when their data is sitting on the cloud, how is it protected? They know when their data is used in the cloud, how is it protected? And they know when data is going in and out of the cloud, how it's being protected. So we refer to that in, you know, sort of the holistic data protection or data security story about 
data in rest, data in motion, and data in use. And so being able to have that comprehensive conversation is a really exciting point in time because one of my favorite questions, Dan, when I talk to CIOs and CISOs is, do you think you're going to be more or less secure when you get to the cloud? And it's fascinating because increasingly more people are understanding that they can remediate technical debt when they go and architect a new solution for the cloud. They can leverage things like our hyper-protect capabilities, perhaps or most likely weren't using data and use protections on premises. And so they can actually re-architect their solutions and, and have that holistic security conversation when they come to the cloud. I've got a question around AI machine learning. Like where... Where and how does that play into the in- industry clouds? I mean, it's, it's around everywhere. Everybody's trying to figure out how to take advantage. But can you dive in a little bit deeper, please? Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. I'll go back to what I said about edge-based computing. There are so many environments that today are becoming more data-rich. That can be on a factory floor. Uh, it can be in a retail outlet of a bank. It can be in something that a telco is doing or supporting. And AI and machine learning are so important to be able to bring the best in AI and machine learning, recent stuff, not software that shipped a couple years ago, but this is all changing so quickly. And when a space is changing quickly, being able to take the latest in capabilities out to where the data is and deliver it through cloud methodology and, and a catalog of cloud capabilities is a really exciting moment because that then means being able to, in the retail outlet of a bank, be able to watch for things around safety, be watching for compliance with the local rules around personal protective equipment, or um, looking for fraud or other things like that. It means being able to offer customers better offers, engage with them better, have higher consumer satisfaction, because there can be a recency of content that's deployed in those locations. And so um, when we look at this topic of AI and machine learning, it, it applies to industry clouds, both in the things that we're doing with clients at the edge, but also within the cloud itself, because one of the most common reasons to want to move to cloud is to be able to adopt new technologies and accomplish digital transformation, meaning modernizing the way that a business is doing all of their business processes and infusing AI, infusing machine learning, infusing modeling into those things helps those business processes and such be done more efficiently. And that often is one of the, the, the great benefits of actually re-architecting a solution and deploying it on cloud. IBM's just celebrated their 110th birthday, if I recall correctly. And We've been building software for a long time that that teams have taken advantage of. And how does that traditional IBM software that our clients use and build applications using, middleware, et cetera, how does that intersect with what we're doing and what they can do with our industry clouds? It's so important that the cloud conversation embrace the entirety of what an enterprise's IT is, right? It's not just totally new stuff. Cloud shouldn't just be about like attaching a digital front end to an unmodernized backend system. It's useful to have better client engagement or add a mobile app to what you're doing or things like that. But those traditional systems and IBM's traditional software have now been significantly modernized over the last several years. As we have been upping our game in the public cloud space to move toward industry clouds, IBM's software portfolio has largely been 
going through the process of being containerized and leveraging microservices and all those things in what we refer to as the cloud packs. And those are modernized versions, easily deployable on the cloud. And in our case on IBM's cloud, preloaded and and ready to go on our Red Hat OpenShift services on IBM cloud. And so that ability to bring traditional software capabilities together with the latest in open source um, and new technologies has created, you know, why it's why we refer to the cloud packs actually, actually as platforms. So if you look at the cloud pack for data, those traditional products and capabilities that you would expect from IBM are there, but also a tremendous amount of content and compatibility capabilities with other industry software. And so it's sort of all things data, everything to collect data, store data, process data, do AI and machine learning on data. And so those platforms now bring together the old and new world of capabilities. And many of the packs themselves enable modernization and assist through code analytics and code transformation capabilities. Clients can deploy their cloud packs quickly on the Red Hat OpenShift service. And we take care of all of that infrastructure, container service, orchestration, et cetera. And they can just go to work, you know, working on their applications. So basically, as I think about it, what you've just said, we've basically modernized our software that clients have been using for a long time. So now they can modernize themselves. So it's kind of good. I'm sure we have a lot of, I'm sure we learned a lot too in the process that we can then use to help these clients um, accelerate their their adoption and, and their modernization efforts too. Um, yeah, you know, and, and I got to speak recently with, you know, several sets of IBM partners and channel partners who are going through that modernization themselves, you know, and our lessons in going through that process of modernization across our own portfolio, um, even from our systems families perspectives, we have, you know, capabilities based on Power AIX, IBMI, Power Linux, based on mainframe Linux, C Linux, etc., in our cloud as well. And so those systems families and systems capabilities becoming part of what we do in cloud, deploying OpenShift on those, deploying cloud native services on them as well, um, the HyperProtect family of services. Those the, That transformation process for IBM has been both about our hardware and about our software. And it puts us in a position of greater empathy of our clients in that transformation that they're going on. And there are very clear practices that that we help our clients with, with regard to centers of excellence and developer training and all those other kind of things. It's, it's It really has to be a whole story. You can't just tell people to go to the cloud. You need to support them in that process and equip and, and enable them to be able to go on that journey. There's a reason we call it a journey, right? You know, we've, we've been through a significant journey ourselves, um, really, you know, taking a, a big step up in that, you know, in the acquisition of Red Hat as well. And, and the focusing of much of our portfolio, you know, into that container space and such across all of our families of, of capabilities. And then in cloud running things, you know, delivering them cloud native as a service from the infrastructure to containers, to databases, to AI services. There's certainly a lot that we've learned ourselves in delivering all these technologies over the last years. Yeah, I've learned quite a bit. I'm, I'm, I'm certain of that. And then how does that manifest itself in helping clients um, co-create? Like, how do we help engage with them to go faster, do cloud better? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if on your podcast, you've had any guests from the IBM uh, garage, but, um, you know, folks like Andrea Crawford, who works with clients on DevOps or um, Rachel Reinitz would be great guests if you haven't had either of them on yet. But 
You know, for us, that process of co-creation usually starts with coming to an understanding of the business objective. What are we trying to get out of this, right? Where, you know, you don't just go to cloud because someone said so. Um, Sometimes you do, but it's better if you're going to cloud with a known objective and a known transformation agenda. And we start that co-creation process with what we're trying to create. Um, Teams like The Garage get to go hands-on and create MVPs, not POCs, as they remind me. MVPs, you know, really working, um, stood up capabilities that are minimum viable products in a short period of time, in a matter of weeks. And that co-creation process then can become iterative and turn into larger engagements and extend all the way through that deployment process. I think in terms of industry cloud, the topic you, that we started this podcast with, we, we also have been co-creating our industry clouds themselves with anchor partners in the industries that, that we're focusing on. Um, and that industry insight and buy-in and refinement and testing in some sense of our hypotheses around what that contextualization of cloud for that industry means has been a really important process overall for us in industry cloud as well. When you look at industries and regulated industries, there are a number of independent software vendors that our clients are using. How do we, from an IBM perspective, interact with these ISVs as it pertains to adoption of industry clouds? Yeah, ecosystem is is the key word there, right? Each industry has its own ecosystem. There are certainly companies, ISVs that work across multiple industries, plenty of examples of that. But each industry, you know, in banking and payments to different processes and such within banking has a common set of vendors that they tend to rely on because they understand the context of, of how to integrate into that industry the standards required uh, in areas like security and compliance, et cetera, and the resiliency required. So in each industry, what we have done is to form an ecosystem of vendors, ISVs, and in some cases also other third-party providers that are coming to the table with us and doing work jointly with our end clients and customers. When we launched Cloud for Telecommunications, we had about 40 named ecosystem partners at that time a little while ago. We just recently announced that we've hit over 100 ISV and SaaS provider partners in the Cloud for Financial Services ecosystem. So growing ecosystems of capabilities on each of these cloud programs is something that's important because that richness enables people to then have the interoperability, ease of integration, have familiar capabilities in the cloud as to what they had on premises as well. Sure. And then if I work in a regulated industry, I'm probably already working with these ISVs, as you had mentioned. And then that makes it maybe easier going to the public cloud uh, on IBM because there are maybe checks and balances and work that we've done collectively to help make sure that their software runs appropriately. So it might be an easier on-ramp, I guess, for, in this case, like a financial services client or a telco client to come on board. You got Um, it. Yeah. In the telco space, a lot of it is about interoperability of platforms, being able to have that consistency of platform experience across all the different places that computing is going on. And in cloud for financial services, those ecosystem partners are committing to the security and compliance standards of the program. And that should speed the time to approval for deployment on behalf of their end clients. Okay. That, That sounds reasonable. I recently spoke with Brianna Frank on another episode of the podcast around distributed clouds. And we spoke about something called IBM Cloud Satellite. 
there seems to be a lot of growing interest in this concept of distributed cloud and taking that public cloud to you within your premises or edge or other clouds. How does that interact with the industry cloud move? In the cloud for financial services case, the ability to take those capabilities and deploy them on premises can be very helpful for those institutions because they're usually trying to do business, for example, in a good number of different countries, some of which may have local regulations on data sovereignty, meaning data is not you know, supposed to leave the country. And really through satellite, being able to bring the cloud capabilities, developer capabilities, database capabilities onto the client's premises in those countries, as an example, really brings the cloud to life right there where they need it and delivers those platform as a service functionality more quickly and at lower cost than what it would take for them to be standing up their own catalog of those capabilities in in each location that they're doing business. So the answer really of how distributed cloud relates to these industries is a little bit less about sort of those industry-specific programs than it is about each industry has its own use cases and reasons for why things are distributed, be it because of data sovereignty reasons, be it simply because of all of the different points that someone is, you know, has a retail outlet or has an edge environment. Satellite will work in all these cases to bring the cloud to where the compute is available and where the data lives. One great thing about working at IBM for me personally is the exposure to the research and development in preparing for this particular episode. I realized that there were 9,000 U.S. patents granted in 2020 alone. What's behind the curtain? What what can our clients be uh, on the lookout for? Yeah, it is definitely one of my favorite parts of my job to get to work with our IBM research organization, which is is a blessing of riches in the IBM case. It's about 3,000 people globally. And we do have a a good number of work streams with them specific to our cloud program and also to our industry cloud programs. There's many who are experts in these different industries. As we look at that innovation pipeline, both from those teams as well as within our own development organization, within cloud as well, and open source, which is another place that we participate heavily in um, and is another great innovation source for everything that's happening in, in cloud computing. Across those three streams of innovation, I would say that there continues to be an opportunity to advance efficiency of deployments in cloud. We have seen the beginnings of what we're doing at IBM with the Code Engine platform that we released recently to bring together serverless and and batch and containerized deployments and, and manage and orchestrate them as efficiently as possible. This results in greater agility for the deployed workload. It helps with elasticity and all those things that a cloud should be providing an experience um, and helps manage efficiency of of the infrastructure that that you're using. So I think that we'll continue to see advancements in that space of serverless, of a very sort of agile cloud-based computing. We have a lot of initiatives that continue to go on around AI and data with our researchers and, and constantly new things that are being adopted there. Everything from capabilities to understand issues of bias and stability in AI to application of AI for code analytics and being able to help people modernize faster to the cloud. The last area, you know, is quantum. We're the only cloud provider already that has quantum hardware access through our cloud. Quantum computing is an area where we're working with our research teams that are really inventing the algorithms and the cryptography of the future to ensure not only that 
Quantum becomes a better set of uh, services on our cloud. But also we want to help people ensure that their data is secure against that quantum error. So as quantum becomes more capable, we are deploying and enabling our clients to select quantum safe algorithms that can't be cracked by future quantum computers. And so we really view that journey on quantum as being a holistic conversation with our clients, helping them really invest in cryptography technologies as appropriate, as well as experiment and and try out quantum algorithms for the future. Great. Thanks for sharing a little bit of the future. Um, I see that we've kind of run out of time. I need to be cognizant of everybody's time, including our listeners. I think this is a great time to wrap it up. Hillary, I want to thank you for today's conversation. Thanks to all the listeners. And we'll see you next time. 